God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I'm making steps toward teaching on the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus. I am getting closer and closer. And I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to read all 18 verses of the New American Standard. We're going to hear one area Paul told Timothy to not uh, ignore the public reading of Scripture. So if we're going to do services right, there should be occasions where the, the reading of the scriptures. Um, LaDonna's from a culture where another reader will read and the pastor will assign somebody and they'll read it. I think we should do that sometimes. As she, she could really read. She could really read with, she could read from her toes up. I mean, it's got a lot in it, you know. But uh, this is a really amazing kind of foundational thing, and the basis of it, as you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I just, I want to read to you Exodus chapter 18, verse 20, and this is Jethro's advice to Moses. Jethro is his wife's father, so he's listening to his father-in-law. It's good to listen to your in-laws, and uh, he says, now listen to me, and I'll give you counsel. It says in verse 19, and God be with you. Uh, You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. So he's helping him to prioritize because he's been spread too thin. The prior verses, he's he's trying to do too much, and he's not giving out responsibility to others. That happens to leaders. It happened in the book of Acts. They were getting all caught up in things of the waiting of tables for the widows and so forth, and God was having them be Bible writers and church planters and pastors and leaders and teachers, and so... He had to find people to do other things. But then he said in verse 20, these are things that you can't delegate out. Moses said, Jethro said to Moses, then teach them the statutes and the laws. Teach them the statutes and the laws, the commandments and the oracles, the counsels, the directives of the Lord. You teach them these things. And you make known to them two things, the way in which they are to walk, and number two, the work they are to do. Boy, that's a succinct presentation to help Moses, the one that feeds leads, and he's saying, hey, you get back to the basics, teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them uh, how how to walk, how they are to walk, the way in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. So 1 Thessalonians is actually one of, in the later verses, it's one of the strong texts that people that reference the rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the catching up or uh, gathering up of the church, uh, it's in this chapter. So, but look what precedes it. You guys ready? You in for for a treat? You got to hear some good word. In fact, let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. Be with my mouth. Uh, the people online, I pray, would experience uh, freshness and thoughtfulness and mindfulness and solid doctrine and wise uh, uh, exegesis and assessments and all those types of theological phrases. So we study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen, as workwomen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. Finally then, I like it when the Bible says, finally then. In conclusion, 
you know, preacher said in conclusion, and a dad was standing next to his little seven-year-old, and his seven-year-old said, Dad, what does in conclusion mean when the pastor says it? And he says, absolutely nothing. <laughs> finally then, brethren. Even here, you can see it. He says, finally, and then there's another chapter after this. Look. Look at that. See, I'm in good company. <clears throat> finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from, uh, from us instruction as to how you ought to walk, hear that? That's the, new, that's the Old Testament truth of Moses bumped up into the New Testament, how to walk. He says, since you've received from us instruction as to how to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, he's saying we request and exhort that you excel still more. So this gives credence to repetition. This underscores the value of sticking with the fundamentals, the basics, the essentials, over and over and over and over again to that 10,000-hour rule where you actually get good at it. The Beatles went to Germany and played show after show after show and got their chops in the cavern in Liverpool, but also over there in Germany, uh, rubbing shoulders with people like Little Richard and... Uh, the late Jerry Lee Lewis, who, by the way, rededicated his life to the Lord at the end of his life, and he's present with the Lord. Um, so uh, the, the time spent caused them to develop expertise. And this is why he says, I want you to teach them the statutes and the laws, make known to them the way in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. And he says, finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk. So he even acknowledges, you already are doing this, but I'm just stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. Keep forgiving. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Pray without ceasing. Tithe. Give offerings. Overcome your flesh. Forgive people. Stay in your marriage. Uh, take care of your kids, you know, all those fundamentals. And he says, ex but excel in it, excel in it. Don't, don't take your foot off the accelerator uh, and just coast, really press into this thing. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And then about conformity to the world, he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, that was a big deal and is a big deal. We think our society is sexualized and it's something new and the new morality. This, is, this has been since the fall of man. There's been just a lot of flesh. And he's saying to these, these new Christians in the early church, hey, guys, all the, all the sensuality and all the worldliness, man, really abstain from it. Guard your heart from it. Endeavor to press into purity. Push away from the spirit of the world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is really good pre-rapture teaching. Then it says that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. So there's spiritual know-how on how to crucify our flesh, keep our flesh under. Like, uh, like men, you could put a block, a porn block on your phone and give the code to... Uh, uh, I, you know, your wife or a girl in the house and, and put codes on your TV so that all that garbage doesn't uh, just loom before you because the temptation of it, if I were an alcoholic, I would stay away from the liquor store and the bar. In fact, I do stay away from the liquor store and bar 
just because I did all my binge drinking before I was 21. So I did a lifetime and a half of stupid drinking. I'm done with it. I don't need it. So it's like, because I always had a case of stupid with it. And I came into it with the problems with that. So it's like, hey, I think I'll impair my judgment further. I'm already having trouble. I'm already immature. You know what I'm saying? Right? So, you know, there's my case for that. And all this, all this sexualized stuff that was in the, the, the Middle East and in the early church, there, you know, there were all these, these things that were bearing down on the Thessalonians and he's saying, man, guard your heart from this, guard your thought life, uh, maintain a purity, possess your vessel with sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now this is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, but there's something called the pride of life. And in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, I think the 16th verse, he exhorts that group of people that aren't very far from the Thessalonians uh, he says, I urge you, uh, oh, I think it's verse 17. Let's see if, see, uh, 16 is it's a proper working of each individual part. Um, 17, I think, is the verse, if the computer person can help me with that. Uh, yeah, it is. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind. If, Ephesians 4, 17. That you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So here's, don't walk in the flesh in sensuality and lust. We know that, we have a conviction about that, but equally, don't walk in leaning on your cerebral uh, aspects too much. Lean not on your own understanding. The Bible, by the way, does not ever advocate dumbing things down. I am not anti-intellectual. We both went to college, we both went to Bible school, we're life learners, uh, we, we study. We should study the word to show ourselves approved unto God. We're all disciples, and we're all to love the Lord our God with what? Our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and all our strength, right? We're all in. Everybody say all in. But these verses are pre-rapture verses, and they're really, really complete. And it says... Um, uh, you know, don't, don't do this, don't walk it this way like the Gentiles who do not know God. I've seen believers lately lapse into quasi-intellectualism. Uh, Bonky told me about a situation where a guy decided he wanted to get into intellectualism and kind of religiosity. I've seen that in the church. You can get online and you can start to read from all kinds of schools of thought. As I've been studying about the rapture, I'm reading after the people who are dismissive of the teaching of the rapture. And I'm doing that for your benefit so I can get a complete view of what the body of Christ believes in all of its perspectives and the why of what they've concluded it with. I've done that with Calvinism and I've done, you know, I've done that with free will issues and I've done that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I have to get up here and I have to teach and I get, let not many of you be teachers, brethren, because teachers incur a stricter judgment. <laughs> so one literally a greater condemnation. So I feel the weight of my responsibility. By the way, when people come up and say, Pastor Jeff, I want to take the microphone and say a bunch of stuff, it's like, no, you don't. Unless God's really, we'll have the gifts flow and we'll have words and exhortations, but let not many of you be teachers. So uh, there's that. And so as I get ready to warm up to this whole subject, it's universally accepted that Jesus is coming back. 
except the people who don't believe he's resurrected, and then they've entered into the futility of their minds. And then they've neutralized the most powerful message on the planet, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, then we are of men most miserable. But since there's a resurrection, we have right to hold to deeply held uh, hopes. We're not just here going through religion. Oh, I go every Sunday to sit, hear some homily from some guy. Uh, he's enthusiastic sometimes. Music's great. And we get to have a fall festival. We're going to get some free candy corn. You know, that's not the whole essence of our faith. The essence of our faith is Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, raised from the dead. It is finished. He mule kicked the devil right in the jaw and turned over the keys to the kingdom of the kingdom to the church. And he wants us to discipline ourselves how we should walk. You know, don't imbibe in the lustful passions or in the, the superficiality of your finite little three-pound brain. I'm saddened when I see people get sophisticated. I wa I've watched it happen. People I've raised up since they were kids, and somehow they start feeding off these little pools of people that know more than everybody else. It's a, it's a heinous aspect of things. It's also dumb to have ignorance. Ignorance is a bummer. It is not bliss. We should not be ignorant concerning the things of the Spirit, nor should we be lofty. I'll tell you what I've concluded. You know, it's like, so, right? Everybody good? Yeah. By the way, I love it. I get with people that have IQs that are out in the stratosphere. I talked to a lady whose son got a 36 on his ACT. I respect that, man. I respect that. People getting master's degrees in rocket science and stuff like that. I love it. But I, what I don't love is when people think they're so smart. The Lucifer was puffed up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And the cure for that is, well, I'm just going to be ignorant. Then. No, we've got to press into this book, right? Okay, I didn't plan on doing that, but that was for somebody. Anyway, here it goes. It goes, uh, uh, verse 6, And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. So don't defraud your brother. Don't uh, get over and hanky-panky. Stay quick to repent. Stay in the holiness side of these things. Uh, in fact, I have eight points here if you're taking notes. Number one, live holy for God, W-H-O-L-L-Y. That's the word that my wife had, prophetic word. It's all in and, and make Jesus your priority. Number one, live holy for God. Number two, live holy for God, H-O-L-Y. That's good, isn't it? That live holy for God. Number three, walk by faith. Say it. Walk by faith and not by feelings or by sight or by circumstances. We trust God full of faith. We're believing for great things. So live holy for God, live holy for God, walk by faith. Number four, maintain courage, maintain courage. It's a sister in the church that she and her husband bought a beautiful home and she's not used to it. She was walking in the night in the dark, took a spill down the stairs, really got a little banged up. Uh, the, actually, the drywall, I think, suffered more than she did. And, um, but she's, she said to her husband, I have to be in church on Sunday. I want to get the kids to the harvest party, and I have to be in church. In fact, she's in church here today uh, because she's maintaining courage. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad there are angels all around us? 
coincidentally, we were praying with her mom two days or a day before that God would put protection around her, and I named her because I felt prompted to name her and pray for her before it happened. Well, then how did it happen, Pastor Jeff? It could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Maintain courage. Number five, don't be preoccupied with the world. Don't be preoccupied with the world, especially in an election period where they're pulling up stuff at the last minute to belittle the other opponent. I mean, it gets evil the closer you get to the election in terms of vilification, belittlement. Uh, It's very, very evil the way they treat each other. It's disgusting the way they treat each other. And so we must not get preoccupied with the world and take on its venom. Be Be in the world, but not of it. Be not conformed to this world. Number six, don't be preoccupied with the world. Okay, live holy for God, W-H-O-L-L-Y. I'm having to help my wife up here. Number two, live holy for God, holy, H-O-L-Y. Walk by faith, maintain courage. What is that, in patience, possess ye your souls? Don't be preoccupied by the world. Number six, fear not. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And since he hasn't, we don't have to yield to it. Say, fear not. Fear not. We walk by faith, not by fear. Number seven, endeavor to win souls. Endeavor to win people to Jesus. Share the love of God in your journey. He that is wise wins souls. Tell people about Jesus. Offer to pray for people. I was talking to a very successful businessman, and he was talking about how he had a friend in another state. And this guy, he was, he was, he the the guy knows this man's a Christian, but it's not a real heavy-handed part of their relationship. They're business kind of partners, and their relationship is primarily business. But he felt prompted by the Lord to offer to pray for him. So he said his first name and said hey, um, is there anything you need me to pray about? He burst into tears and went down the list of three major things that were happening in his life just at that time. He up to this point had never offered this kind of thing. So uh, when he told us this, we were around with a bunch of guys, we got an agreement further to lift that guy up way out in the southwest in another state. We need to endeavor to win souls. We need to endeavor to be available to lift, do some leverage in prayer. In fact, we pray for this election period. I, I went and had to absentee vote, and I spent, and was in line for two year, two hours, two years. And um, they asked my son for their, his social security number. You're not supposed to do that. And I just felt a diabolical presence. Uh, it was not, it was not my normal po- uh, polling booth, and I got that sense something was easily manipulated. I got the sense, that atmosphere. Uh, and I wasn't coming in with a bias. I, I was, I, you know, and I wasn't just jacked up from everybody's opinion. I was picking something up in my spirit. So uh, because humanity has fallen, it's perfect, perfectly feasible that people would have the capacity to try to lie and cheat. So we must pray. And I come against those lies, and I come against that deception 
Because we, after all, live in a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. Freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and the privilege of being able to vote and pick who you want to have in leadership. A government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That's why it's so scary, because the people lie in the power of the evil one, but God's people can pray. God's people can pray. And we can live holy for God, live holy for God, walk by faith, maintain courage, don't be preoccupied with the world, fear not, endeavor to win souls. And lastly, and LaDonna's going to like this, rejoice! Your redemption is drawing nigh. Let's get back to the finishing of 1 Thessalonians 4. I've got five minutes to finish it, because there's actually a rapture verse at the end of it. You guys still here? What verse did I finish on? Okay, verse 7, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification, right? That's why he said to stay away from sexual immorality and all that stuff, lustful passion. That's why I included Ephesians 4 about leaning on your own mind and the futility of that. And he says, so he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So he's saying, he realizes at this point, some people are going, I don't know that I want to do that. And he goes, well, yeah, you reject this. You're not rejecting the words of Paul. You're rejecting the words of the Holy Spirit. Verse, tw- verse 9, now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So then somebody, that same cynical guy, would say, well, then why are you writing it again to us? Because we're stirred up by way of reminder. Repetition is the master teacher. And for indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. See, this is a pre-rapture message right here, distilled in verse 10. Yeah, you've heard it. You practice it already. You're doing it, but excel in it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it, right? I listened to Eric on the guitar on Friday night. And they, the band entered into a jam, and they were playing some, uh, some really nice, tasty music. And I noticed all of them were playing better than ever, and it's because they're practicing. He's excelling in it. They're all excelling in it. And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, work with your own hands, just as I commanded you. Verse 11 is a mighty ministry verse. A lot of people want to be in the kingdom and be servants and be effective. Verse 11 is your answer right there. Uh, Not craving a platform or a title or a position, but just leading a quiet life, endeavoring to lead a quiet life. You want to be ambitious. A lot of ambitious people have your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your own hands. Uh, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. It ends up translating into uh, endeavoring to win souls by just the conduct of your character and the content of your actions. Verse 13 through 18, are you ready? This is it right now. This is about, this is getting into this. This is as close to the rapture as I'm going to get today. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will, be, will precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend with, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be, look at this, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That's good stuff right there. That's as close as I'm going to get today. Let's all stand up on our feet. You just heard a six-week series in a half an hour. I just served you a stack of steaks. And I want to encourage you to, to, to chew them, process them, meditate on them, ponder these things. Listen, you guys, even if you don't have kids, this harvest party is going to stop raining at about 11. We'll take the tarps off of the hay bales. We're going to light bonfires out by the, 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 the uh, waterfall. We're going to have uh, like a hayride kind of a deal. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have bouncy castles. Uh, I invited a family yesterday when we were out to lunch, and they already knew about our church. They already saw it being built. And when I told them it was free and everybody's welcome, they seemed like they were inclined to come. I said, bring all your friends. So I want to encourage you. It just won't be the same if you don't show up. And you don't have anything else to do this afternoon except maybe paint your house or put a new motor in your car. So just carve some time aside. Come in and just let's just have a, a, a corporate blast. Reinforce our church community. Celebrate the season, the leaves, and the beauty of uh, the, the nice low humidity and that kind of thing. And uh, there's going to be a lot of festivities, a lot of fun. And, uh, but in the meantime, let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Help us to lead holy lives, wholly dedicated to you. In case there's anyone watching or listening or here today that's not surrendered to Jesus, I pray today would be their day to step over and to repent, humble themselves, and submit to God. Oh, Jesus. Be Lord and Savior. Come into our hearts. Fill us with wisdom. God, I'm asking that anointing will come on people's workplaces, those who have an ambition to lead a quiet life, working with their own hands, centralizing on godliness. Help us out. Deliver us from temptation, Lord. What our, as we know what our flesh inclinations are, we submit them to you and commit to you. We crucify our flesh. We're asking you to deliver us and help us. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I pray breakthrough on marriages, breakthrough in relationships, breakthrough on finances. And I thank you for a supernatural help on everybody as we get ready to go, Lord. Hallelujah.